Let me uh, have you open up your uh, Bible this morning. Uh, let me tell you where as soon as I get my notes out here. I'm going to hit it fast and furious this morning because uh, we had a little more time first service, and I encourage you all. Tim said he got whacked this morning. I'm praying that the Lord whacks all of us. And how I many you know getting whacked is a euphemism for the Holy Spirit getting you? In a deeper, how many want to be got by the Holy Spirit? All right? All right. The rest of you? Your prime candidates, all right? We're talking about United, this new sermon series. It's going to run through the holidays, and our subtitle is this, Enjoying the Privilege of Friendship with Jesus. How many of you know that's an incredible privilege? There's lots of ways in the body of Christ that we define who we are. You know, we define ourselves as Christians, right? You've heard that term. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a disciple. Uh, I'm a uh, believer. We we have lots of language, but how many of you know none of those are the best language to describe who you are? I'd like to suggest to you that if you look at the Bible and you look at uh, the the words that are used in the Scriptures to define what has happened to us, what, what has happened as a result of being born again, you will find this phrase, the phrase, in Christ used 164 times. How many of you ever come across that phrase in your Bible when you're reading? That you're in Christ, or you're united with Christ, or you're in Him. 164 times. How many of you know there's something profound that the Holy Spirit is trying to communicate to us about what that means? Uh, as I was looking at some of the saints throughout history, and let me, let me start first of all with St. Paul. Ephesians 2.13, this is not in the PowerPoint. You can just listen. Uh, this is the Passion Translation because I love the paraphrase. Listen to what it says. Look at you now, exclamation point. Everything is new. Although you were once distant and far away from God, now you have been brought delightfully close. Isn't that a great phrase? Delightfully close to him through the sacred blood of Jesus. It says here you've actually been united with Christ. What a powerful phrase. Because of Christ's blood shed for us, it brought about a uniting of him and us in a way that's very mysterious. We'll talk about that. One great saint, John Murray, said this, Nothing is more central or more basic than union with Christ. It is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. John Owen, who was called the Prince of the Puritan Writers, an amazing, godly man, great theologian, John Owen said this, Union with Christ is the greatest, most honorable, and glorious of all graces that we are made partakers of. So here's my question to you. If this is central, if it's basic, if it's the greatest, the most honorable, if it's the most glorious of everything that we have been allowed to partake of, then why is it that we don't ever hear anybody preaching about it? Or why is it that we've not really, you know, dug into the Word, dove in deep to what this phrase means in Christ or united with Christ, and what does that really look like in our lives on a day-to-day basis? Pastor Aaron, could you give me some tea for just a moment? Thanks. A little spot of tea, my friend. That was a joke. That was a, that was a Scottish connection. I'm trying to make Irish connection with my with my buddy right there. Just making sure, a, a spot of tea. It'll this will make sense in just a moment. Hang with me. All right. How many of you realize that the phrase "united with Christ" is a bit mysterious? I'm united with Christ. It's 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 mysterious. It's hard to get our brains around. How many of you know it's much easier for men in particular, all of us guys? It's much easier to th- to make a decision for Christ. I could, go to, I could go to Nate and say, Nate, do you believe X? Yes. Do you believe Y? Yes. Then if you'll repent, yes. Say this prayer with me, yes. You'll become a Christian. Are you ready for that? 
One, two, three, pray good. Get the card, you're in. Fill out the form, you're in. You're in the, you, got, you got your membership card. How many know guys can get that? But when we talk about, are you united with Christ? That pushes us, all right? That's for us, uh, for us logical, rational thinkers, it's kind of out there a little bit. Making a decision is so much more logical, rational, sequential. But I want to encourage you this morning, salvation is so much deeper than just step X, Y, and Z. Because this is important for us to understand. Jesus' end goal is not just to save us from something, namely hell. How many of you are glad you've been saved from hell? But his end goal is not just to save us from something or somewhere, but his end goal is actually to save us for someone, namely himself. Thank you, Pat. You can just put it right there on that pedestal if you would. Is that purified water? Yes. Okay. Just making sure. Look at that beautiful purified water. Isn't that awesome? Thank you. I'm just going to go ahead and put the tea bags in the purified water, if I may. All right. Give Pastor Aaron a hand. Beautiful. Beautiful. My throat was a bit raspy this morning. All right, back to the topic here. How many of you know when you get saved, it's not about a membership card to a club? We actually get an invitation to a relationship with a person. His name is Jesus. And here's the problem. It's not a problem, actually. It's actually given to help us understand it, but I'll explain the problem. Jesus refers to salvation and union with Christ, and he uses a marriage metaphor. Whoa. Why did he pick marriage? Because how many of you are married? Wave at me. And how many of you have ever looked at your spouse and said, you are a mystery to me? (laughs) And let me just tell you how to ruin a relationship, guys. Treat your wife like a laboratory rat, all right? In other words, you go, I don't understand her. I did this. She's supposed to do this. This is supposed to be the outcome. I don't get it. How many of you know if that is your vision of marriage, you are setting yourself up for incredible frustration because the woman you've been given is not a test tube to run experiments on. You put this chemical, you heat it up to this amount, and you get this result. No, she's not a test tube experience. She is a woman. And women are mysterious. Now, I'm not having a, you know, gender bias here today, God forbid, uh, because how many of you ladies can go, men are just as mysterious? Why does he think that way? Why did he interpret it that way? Why can't he find the mayonnaise? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Um, How about this? Guys, I just can't figure out my wife. Stop trying to figure her out. She's not a mathematical equation. Check this out. Take away your frustration and turn it into fascination. Whoa. So, you know, I'm so frustrated. I don't understand you. You say, I'm so full of joy because you are fascinating. And the journey of marriage is not that we get to share the same house. I'm making a spiritual application here. Let me help you. The joy of heaven 
is not that we get to go to the same place. It's who gets to be there with us. And if the host of the party is not there, or if you're not crazy about the host, then heaven will not be heaven. It will just be a change of scenery. How many of you know Jesus better now than you did when you first began? You know why? Because it's a mystery. How many of you got Jesus all figured out? Okay, good. Do not expose your ignorance because here's the deal. Jesus says, my ways are not your ways. Jesus says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Jesus is infinite in all of his glory. I'm still so limited. He loves me unconditionally. I still am trying to figure out what that means. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So here's the point I'm trying to make. You know, some people, like my kids, for instance, when they were little, I took them to the ocean. The ocean is mysterious. Do you know why you stand in awe of certain things? Because they're bigger than you. And how many of you know when you're seeing something bigger than you, it's awesome and scary all at the same time? There are some of you, I'm calling you out right now, you don't like to swim in the ocean because there's stuff in there. And you can't see it. And you saw videos. <laughs> There's sharks out there somewhere. I know they are. I saw, I saw Shark Week on CNN or whatever it is. Or what, you know, I know you little scaredy cats. Here's the deal. You're not going to go out in there to experience the wonder and the mystery because you can't put your foot on the ground and know that you're not going to step on something mysterious. Can I just tell you something? The fact that you haven't explored every known recess of the ocean, that you can't put your foot down everywhere out there, should not rob you from the joy of experiencing what you do know about the ocean. I love the ocean, but I don't like to get too far out in the ocean because it scares me, because there's mystery. You know what? I love my wife. And I have to- can tell you that one of the biggest fears for most men is really getting intimate with their wife beyond the bedroom, intimate with their wife as far as face-to-face, sharing their hearts and being truly vulnerable. Do you know it's the same way with the Lord? You know why a lot of guys struggle with worship? It's scary. Because real worship is mysterious, vulnerable. That's why how many of you guys remember when you first came to a church like ours? Talk about scary, mysterious. What are those people doing? And then you started going, wow, they're raising their hands. And then remember when you did your T-Rex worship? <laughs> and, and your biggest fear, your biggest fear was, is anybody watching me? And then it dawned on you. They all have their eyes shut. They're all doing the T-Rex thing, too, or, or bigger. And then you realize, you know what? Probably nobody's thinking about me. Because on the grand scheme of things, I'm not that important, but Jesus is. And they're not here to go, oh, Chris is raising her hands. Look at her. Oh, Chris. They're not doing that. But here, here's the real issue. You were crossing a threshold of vulnerability. And you were, you were moving into the mystery 
of what happens if I really submit my heart to Jesus? What happens if I let go of my emotions? Which I'm keeping it. You've heard people say, I came to that church and I had to fight to hold it all together. You little chicken. <laughs> I had to fight. What are you fighting? Are you fighting vulnerability? Are you fighting letting God wreck you? Are you fighting encountering Jesus and realizing he's so much bigger than you thought and you caught the lion by the tail and now you're like, oh my goodness, this isn't a putty cat. (laughs) Mystery. That's why we like to have everything printed out. Everything on the screen, no downtime, no quiet time, no unscripted time, because then we move into mystery. We don't really like mystery. We like to have it all figured out. But I figured this out. I'm going to spend the rest of my life falling in love with the woman God's given me because she is deeper and wider and more precious and more mysterious than I've yet figured out. And the joy of marriage is not the final destination, but it's the journey and the mystery of being vulnerable, naked and unashamed with another human being, which God says is the greatest picture of what being united with him actually looks like. Whoa! We're getting out of the... Check this out. The T, I'll remember the T. What does it mean to be born again? It means somebody came and took residence inside of you. And when they did, you're not the same. And you can never go back. If I asked you, what is this? There's not a one of you in this room who say, that's water. No, it was water. Just a moment ago it was water. I even made sure that it was pure water. But you know what? Now it's been transformed. And you know what? There's no going back. Because now what you have is not water, but you have something that we call tea. When someone is saved and Christ comes and takes residence in you, he transforms you. Now it doesn't happen overnight. But how many of you know the longer you walk with Jesus, the more like Jesus you become? And how many of you have figured out there's no going back? You know, I like to tell you, I've been too wrecked to go back. You said, who would want to go back? Yeah, who would want to go back? That is the sign of a person who's tasted of the Lord and says, I'm not going back to water when I can have tea, if you know what I mean. In other words, here, here's what I'm trying to say. This whole thing about being united with Jesus is a journey that is actually not just a lifelong journey, but it's an eternity-long journey where we get apprehended and love to life, and then we begin to pursue the one who has awakened our heart. This is awesome. Now, I always crack up, because when you look at other cultures, I've been in China, I've been in India, I've been in Africa. I've been in meetings where the men sit on one side of the room and the women sit on the other side of the room. Now, those, those folks in India are not fooling me. There's 1.6 billion of them. They might not be sitting with their wives, but I know they got that thing figured out, all right? They got... 
They got the intimacy thing figured out. I was busting Andrew's chops, all right? I know the Chinese folk. They're not, you know, real big on public displays of affection. But how many know there's lots of Chinese people? I ain't no dummy. I know that even though they're sitting like that in church, they figured the thing out. You know what I'm talking about? I was in Africa, David. Africa, Matwara. We were ministering at a marriage conference. The guy, these are like leaders. The guys are all over here. Ladies are all over here. And I'm like, dude, this is a marriage conference. Find your wife. Find your wife and stand next to her. They're like, what is this find your wife thing? I'm like, don't be fooling me. You all got kids. Find your wife. You, you know how to find her. All right, find your wife. I said, next thing, and I ready for this? Look into her eyes. You would have thought I asked them to perform brain surgery. They're like, I'm like, no, maybe like turn. Look into her eyes, and how about this? Act like you like it. When the guys turned and looked their wives in the eyes, revival broke out in the hearts of the women. And then they started going with their tongues this way, not this way. I've never seen anything like it. I was like, honey, we struck gold. God is moving in this place. All because a man very awkwardly looked into the eyes of his woman. Do you know what salvation is? It's when Jesus rips the veil off of your eyes and we're able to behold the beauty of the man Christ Jesus and we fall in love with him. (laughs) And check this out. Check this out. We like it. My goodness, half the people that come to church on Sunday morning, you think God had a gun to their head and he was dangling them over hell. This is a romance, folks. This is not compulsion. This is not religion. This is not dead works. This is I've been kissed, I've been awakened, and I like it. That's what it means to be born again. Your life is never the same. You are a new creature. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And you ask yourself this question, how close is Jesus? You know, I hear people say, you know, I'm just I'm so alone. I just, I don't know where God is. I don't know where the T is. No, it's right there. It's right there. In fact, you're inseparable. Doesn't the Bible say something like this? Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Oh, I just don't, I just don't, I don't feel it. Who cares? There's a lot of times in your marriage relationship, you know, I don't feel like I'm on my honeymoon. Well, tomorrow you might, but you don't base your whole relationship on that. Here's what I do. I I look at this thing on my finger. It's called a wedding band, and it reminds me I am in covenant with that woman till death do us part. I might as well enjoy the journey and love the mystery. And be fascinated and not frustrated. Guess what? I am married to Christ Jesus. He lives inside of me. He is as close as my heartbeat. He's closer than a breath away. He he abides in me and I abide in him. And we are inseparable. That's what the Bible says. Nothing in this life can ever separate me from God's outrageous love for me. 
How many know that's the truth? And if you're born again, that's the reality right there. You are in Christ Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about a simple definition. It it has two parts. I'm going to focus on the first part today. We're going to focus on the next part next Sunday. But here's the simple definition. I only got a few minutes left. Union with Christ means that you are in Christ and Christ is in you. Let's say that together. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. We're going to focus on what it means to be in Christ today. I am in Christ. You are in Christ. Next Sunday, we're going to focus on what it means for Christ to be in me. All right? First of all, being in Christ means he is my representative. How many of you are familiar with the, with the story of David and Goliath? All right? Anybody remember that one? You remember, Goliath was out there in front of all of Israel, and he, and he said this. Look, you all don't have to fight all of us. You just need to find someone to fight me. He said, I'll be, your, I'll be the representative of the Philistines. You guys pick a representative for Israel. How many of you know nobody wanted to pick that fight? But who picked the fight? David picked the fight. And David is an Old Testament picture of Jesus. Jesus was our representative. What did David do? He goes, who do you think you are? He trashed talk Goliath. Remember that? And then he tr- charged forward, and then he hit him in the head with a slingshot, with a rock, and then he cut his head off, and he raised it up. I mean, how many of you know this is pretty radical? That is a picture of what Jesus did to Satan. Yes. Satan beat the tar out of Adam. Y'all remember that? Genesis chapter 3. We lost it all. Jesus comes, and remember his temptation in the wilderness? Jesus beat the tar out of the devil. And he got it all back. So here's the deal. When you're born, you are born into Adam's family, which is the wrong tribe. You need a family transplant. You need to be born again. You need Jesus as your representative. Now, Hotam, this is where you make your appearance. Give him a hand. Come on, Hotam. Woo! Yeah! Come on down, Hotam. Yeah, I'm getting you back right now. I'm getting you back. He had the audacity at the harvest party to come as me. He had a, he had a bald cap on that looked, looked ridiculous, by the way. He shaved his beard to try to, to look like this, all right? He wore my name tag to, to resemble my likeness. But how many of you know? There's no comparison, all right? You're way over your head. But anyway, here's the deal. The Bible says, go to our next verse up there, if you would, Megan. Check this out. For you died to this life. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, some of you know my dad. Many of you know my dad. My dad was a bigger version of me, all right? He was bigger in every way, all right? Big shoes to fill, big man, big guy. And I remember as a boy, you're my dad now, right? I know, work with me, people. But when I, was, when I was even a grown man, I would stand behind my dad when he was putting his tie on, and he would be in the mirror to get everything right. And when I stood behind my dad, I disappeared. Because my dad was bigger than me, all right? Now, when you stand before Christ someday, and the Bible says my life is hidden with Christ, he just became Jesus Christ, all right? I know, work with me. It's a stretch, but work with me. You need to put your <laughs> long, flowing, curly hair or something like that. All right. You, hey, you came here today just to worship, and now you're being <laughs> insulted by your pastor. All right. Anyway, how many of you know you're going to stand and you're going to meet God face to face someday, all right? And when it says that our life is hidden with Christ in God, how many of you know that means Jesus took our punishment? And so check this out. When you stand before God, you want to make sure this T thing happened. 
Because here's why. I don't want to be standing by myself. That would be bad. I want to be hidden. And I want to make sure I'm totally hidden. Like you can't see me. All you see is Hotam. You don't see me. I'm, I'm completely hidden. I might have a hand wave or something like that just to let the Lord know I'm here. But I am hidden in Christ. Are you with me? Christ's light, he's my representative. I'm hidden in him, which means his righteousness, my righteousness. He already paid the price for my sin. So he's my representative. I'm with him. That's what I'm going to say. I'm with him, Lord. I'm with him. And I'm going to be hidden in Christ. Now, you did such a great job. Thank you, thank and we appreciate the way you're <laughs> loving us so well and blessing us so much. All right, give him a hand. Hey, just think some morning that could be you. All right. I'm just kidding. I'm, moving. I'm not threatening any of you with that. All right. Quickly, you guys are talking too much. I only got a few more minutes. Number two, being in Christ means I share in his death. How I many of you know there's, there's none of that taking place as long as I continue to be self-centered? Look what the Bible says. My old self, the old Ron, has been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. How many of you know if Jesus is living in you, you're not in charge any longer? You don't call the shots anymore. And I'll just say this. If you're not willing to die, you can't experience union with Christ. Just does not happen. And I'll I'll be more practical. If I can't learn to love my wife and be fascinated instead of frustrated, it cuts off my source of walking in union, abiding with Jesus, because the Lord says, hey, you can't take care of my daughter like that. I'm not going to hang with you until you go deal with it. So I bring that up. In other words, we can't be more spiritual than God. Uh, we have real relationships. I have to treat. The Bible says this. If I have a, a fault against Chris, I should go make it right before I open my mouth and start singing worship songs. Okay, I'm going to move on before anybody gets up and leaves the church. All right. Point number three. This is important. Being in Christ means that I share his burial. You got to bury dead things. What's the burial? Look at what it says. We died and we were buried with Christ by what? Why is water baptism important? You got to bury the old man, the old woman, the old you. It stinks, right? You bury dead things. You got to be buried. What else does it do? It, it is a public witness to everybody in this place that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you're moving from water to tea, all right? Point number three or number four. Being in Christ means that I share in his resurrection. Colossians 3.1, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Since you've been raised to new life. How many of you know when Jesus rose from the dead, the power of resurrection life shot through his body, raised his corpse, took it out of the grave, and he came forth in newness of life. Guess what happens when you're born again? The Holy Spirit comes to resurrect the new you. And if we move in resurrection life, we move in the power of God. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. It will quicken your mortal body. It will make you come alive into the fullness of all Jesus created you to be. How many of you want that? So we got we to gotta let Jesus be our representative. We have to die. We have to be buried. We have to be raised. And lastly, this is important, being in Christ means I share in his ascension. Sometimes we forget about the ascension, but what happened at the ascension? Jesus took the atoning blood of his sacrifice and presented it before God the Father. And this is why this is important. The reason we know that his sacrifice was sufficient is because he sat down. When he sat down, that meant finished. 
atonement complete. And what is Jesus doing right now? He's seated at the Father's right hand. He's making intercession for us, which means he's our mediator. Aren't you glad Jesus is standing in the gap for you and I right now? Jesus is fighting for us now. Jesus is praying for us now. Jesus is, is, is smacking the accuser down. Devil, don't talk about my brother or sister that way. He is our big brother in heaven standing in the gap for us and making sure that the accuser, the evil one, does not have authority over our lives. I love this, too, because Jesus was given a name at his ascension. That name was Lord. That means he's the victorious king. That means we win. That means the devil is in for the greatest whipping of his lives. It means we're going to live forever with Christ. It means we walk in authority and power now because Christ is in us. His ascension is part of my ascension, which means his authority is part of our authority, which is why we have authority as believers to do the same thing Jesus did. In fact, when Jesus was seated at the Father's right hand, that was his coronation ceremony. And at his coronation ceremony, what did he do? He released the Holy Spirit, which is the one who lives in us. That's how we become the T, all right? Holy Spirit lives inside of me, and here's the deal. That's the basis for my anointing, And that's the basis for my commissioning and your commissioning. So I'm anointed because of the ascension, and I'm moving in the authority of Jesus to carry out the mission. This is good news. This is what it means for me to be in Christ. And I'll close with this. How does all this happen? How does all this happen? It happens by faith. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all children of God through faith, in Christ Jesus. This is so sweet. All we do is say yes to Jesus. He takes us at our word, and he comes, and this happens, all right? The tea gets dropped in in the container. And I want you to see this. Have you ever been around people that have been married a long time and like it? They start, I was going to say they start to look like, but no, 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 no. You're much more, much more beautiful. But you say, oh, they look alike. Oh, they, they finish each other's sentences. Oh, they're so cute together. Oh, they know each other's likes and dislikes. Oh, they even dress alike. I mean, how have you heard stuff like that? Aren't they cute? Well, you know why they're cute? Because they've been abiding in the covenant for a long time. Have you ever been around Christians who have been through a few things? but they've been pursuing Jesus all their lives. You know, some of the most precious people, I I never will forget this, when you introduced me to the underground leaders in China, here's this couple, both in their 90s. Imagine instead of starting off with a honeymoon after your marriage, your husband is in prison for 24 years. His crime, he wouldn't take the Chinese version of the Bible that took out all the supernatural, the resurrection of Jesus, the second coming. He wouldn't operate by the Chinese official Bible, government Bible. He said no. He spent the first 12 years in solitary or, or hard uh, labor, and then when his trial came up and time to be released, they arbitrarily gave him 12 more. That woman waited for her man. That man stayed faithful to the Lord. And I'm sitting next to this couple that are overseeing 100,000, 200,000, 500,000, God only knows how many underground believers. And I'm just telling you, through the fire and through the flame and through the ups and the downs, they experienced 
something of the abiding presence of Jesus that never left them and never forsook them. And there was a sweetness this way, but there was also sweetness this way because you felt like you were in the presence of people who loved Jesus more than you and who knew Jesus more than you and who would walk with Jesus more than you. This is why we need the senior saints in the house. It's because we need your walk with God. We need your devotion. We need to know that you've walked through things, and we need you to tell us Jesus was still with you in the tough times of your life, that he never left you. You know, there's something you understand and experience about the Lord when you're going through the different chapters of your life, that when you realize Christ has not left me, I am still with him. Whether you're in prison like some of these folks where they're persecuted for their faith and they're going through incredible hardship and they tell you that they were overcome by supernatural joy in the midst of a prison cell. What is that? That's abiding in Christ. That's a unity with Christ that never leaves you. That's the power of the mystery of following the man Christ Jesus and allowing him to woo your heart and to love you to life. And here's the beauty of it. Just like a husband and wife become more alike, the rough edges get rubbed off. What are we going to look like a billion years from now with Jesus? Because here's the thing. Jesus is infinitely awesome now. You can't improve on him. But we're finite. Our beauty is going to continually be enhanced by being in relationship with Jesus. Isn't that awesome? In other words, if we'll just stay in covenant. This is one little secret, all right? Some folks have been around for a while. Stick it out. Because the rough season you're going through, if if you'll stay in covenant, there's grace for transformation. And people that have gone through transformation experience the grace. They'll tell you that it's sweeter after that than it was before because you experience more of God, more of his goodness, more of his power. And so here's what I want to challenge you all with is would you join me over the next couple of months as we move through the holidays learning more than we currently are experiencing, learning more about what it means to abide in Jesus Christ so that when we wake up in the morning, our eyes open up, the first thought that comes to our minds is an awareness of the presence of God. And when we, our feet hit the ground, we're not overwhelmed. We're not getting our cues from the news or from whatever. Guess what? We're going to get our cues from the Word. And we're going to get our cues from worship. And worship isn't a sing-along. Worship is a love song that we sing directly to our King. And we realize that he loves us more than we love him, and we're being loved to life. And then we go through life, and when the challenges hit, we don't act like pagans. We just worship and say, Lord, what are you going to do? I love the way Tim said, I I got tired of running my business. I want to let Jesus run his business through me. That's the principle of, of abiding. And what happens is as we learn to do that, God's going to encounter us at deeper and deeper levels. And here, here's my vision. Wouldn't it be great that we're allowing the presence of God to so fill each one of us that when we all come together, people can't walk in the doors without being wrecked by God? They're like, whoa, what just hit me? What was that? What was that weight of glory that just descended? How does that happen? It's because all of us are learning to take our game to the next level. 
Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because we're, it's not that Jesus isn't living inside of us. It's that sometimes we're not allowing too much of him to manifest. Or we're not aware. Or we're simply dishonoring. You know, I've seen men, they come walking into a place and their wife's like 30 yards behind them. And I'm like, dude, it's your wife. Like she's attached to you. Like she's one with you. Like go retrieve her and like let, let people know that's your wife. Open the door for her. Treat her like a queen. How about this? Holy Spirit, sorry I've been 30 yards ahead of you. Forgive me, forgive me. You're supposed to be leading, not me. Let me take your arm and submit to you. Let you lead. Not like, hey, where is he? Where's God? Where's God? Well, yeah, you left him a long time ago because you don't honor him. He didn't, leave, he didn't leave you. You left him because you didn't honor him. You didn't cherish him. We quench the Holy Spirit all the time with attitudes and things because we're, st- we're still too much in charge. Are you speaking to the right crowd? So here, here's how we're going to end today, all right? This is going to be the most non-religious ending you've ever experienced in your life. You know what we're going to do? We're going to do what we came here for. And we're going to be aware that Christ is in us. And we're going to be aware of his presence. And we're going to be sensitive. And we're going to sing and love him. And here's the invitation. We're going to have the worship team lead us in that wonderful song that we sung earlier. And I just want to give an invitation. There might be some of you here that do not know Christ the way I'm talking about. And, you know, it's as simple as you simply saying, Jesus, I want to know you like that. And you invite him into your life. You turn from your sin. You ask him to come in. We would love to pray for anybody in this place that doesn't know Christ. But the rest of you that do, you know what we're going to do right now? We're just going to enjoy him. We're going to surrender our hearts to him. We're going to ask for his refreshing presence to fill us. Anybody up for that? And here's the thing. You can stay as long as you want. Or you can slip out whenever you want. I bless you. We got marriage class today at 4 o'clock. It's going to be awesome. But we're just going to enjoy the Lord. And here's what I want you to do. Just let him have full control of you. And some of you T-Rexes out there, I'm encouraging you, go all the way. And, and just give the Lord all of you. If you want to come to the altar, you can. You want to sit in your seat, you can. You want to stand, you can. We've officially ended the service, but now we're going to enter into the presence of Jesus, all right? So join me. Let's worship him.